now on the air from the state of Florida, where our 45th president temporarily resides until his triumphant return to that big house in Pennsylvania Avenue in 2024. Once again, it's time for the Flagler Trump Club's Future of Flagler podcast. Here are the patriots who will keep Flagler County red while making America great again. Your host, Trump Club President Mike McElroy, along with Trump Club Vice President and Palm Coast City Councilman Ed Danko. Welcome to the Flagler Trump Club Future Flagler video podcast. I'm Ed Danko along with Mike. Mike, um, the newspaper there. Yeah, you do, Ed. Uh, Am I in it? Uh, yeah, I think, I think there's I a quote in, in here. Good. I think uh, you've stimulated some. They spell my name right? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> we got that right. Funny you should mention that. Um, and, of course, the article is about that the city council may reconsider the amount it proposes a raise. So I'm sure I don't need to refresh everybody's memory, but... Uh, uh, oh, a month or so ago, I think the mayor at a workshop proposed mm-hmm. uh, a substantial raise, and, and it's argumentative about what the amount is, because I saw one of the gentlemen that is getting a petition to prevent this from happening in the future suggested it was really about a, a 371% raise, but it's been widely quoted 369 365 percent raise it's a big jump it's a big jump Mm -hmm. the mayor proposed it uh with some risk to you i guess well i got on board and some people are not happy but i've had other people who said it was the right thing to do i think that um when we have county commissioners making close to 60 with their benefits they get retirement they get medical we got school board same thing they're making 30 something with medical and i think they got a retirement thing and here we are, the city of Palm Coast, a majority of Flagler County, our population are almost at 100,000, um, and we're still making $9,600. A lot of people think that we should work for free. A lot of people think that, gee, you got elected for that amount of money, you should stay with it. Uh, you know, life doesn't always work like that. People take on a job, they find it's a lot more than they thought it was going to be. Uh, I spend a lot of my time every day on this job, and uh, for me, it's become basically a full-time situation. Lots of phone calls, lots of emails. I go out and I visit people when they have problems. Lots of private meetings at City Hall. It's not just one meeting every, you know, three times a month. Um, We're dealing with a $250 million a year budget. I'm not sure you really want somebody who makes $9,600 a year to run a, a quarter of a billion dollar budget. Um, I think we'll get better candidates with better pay and um, a larger pool at least, because right now it's hard to find people who even wanna run for these offices, especially when they find out how much they make and they find out uh, how much it costs to actually mm-hmm. run and get elected. So um, I was behind this and the mayor made, I thought, an excellent case for it and then he started waffling last week and I'm not sure where his mind is at right now he seems to be backing off of this um, 13 people show up at City Hall and voice their discontent somebody uh, the mosquito guy whatever his name is starts a petition and now I see our mayor just sort of falling to pieces on this so my feeling is if it's gonna be some if it ends up being some minuscule you know, insignificant amount of money. I'm going to be voting against this thing. 
Um, I didn't take this job for the money. I don't need the money. Um, I was in favor of this, so we would get better candidates in the future. But, you know, if it's going to turn into, you know, some game or something, I'm, I'm just going to well, vote and it down. Well, and your here is saying, and, and, and this is, I think, something you're noted for, uh, Councilman Ed Danko stood by his initial vote in favor of the raises and said he's heard from people who support the increases as well as from people who oppose them. The quote is, I think we did the right thing for the future. And you know, we had more people here upset about the Green Lion than about this pay compensation. So you weren't concerned about the fact that there was opposition to the pay compensation. I'm willing to stay where we are and, and move forward in what we did. I think it's a good move. Uh, so just like you didn't vote for tax increases, as you've always said, uh, you stood by what you did here. Some people have said this is a tax raise. From what I've seen, it is not. It's it, within, it, it is not. It's in the current budget. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, uh, but nonetheless, in the time of the economy and in, in the controversy, uh, 100 people, 200 people don't represent a city of uh, 95,000. Uh, they are the people that are energized. But sometimes, and that's what we preach at the Trump Club, when you're energized and you go to local government, uh, you can affect change. So sure. for those that oppose this, they may have affected some change. They may have. They yeah. certainly got to the mayor. Um, and um, it didn't take much for him to bend. Uh, I'm not a person that bends. You know, like you said, I said I would never vote for a tax increase. Twice now I have voted against a tax increase. I won't vote for a tax increase this year. I will be pushing a full, complete rollback to where taxes remain absolutely where they're at now. Um, the mayor has indicated at council that he was looking at a full rollback. I don't know with this guy. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, so, you know, I can't predict what other council people will do either. But again, if this is just going to turn into something that upsets the community and ends up being some 3% or 6% increase or whatever, I'm just going to vote against it. I, I'm, you know, it, it's not worth going on with this. It's, you know, but that's where I'm at okay. now. So uh, Trump news, uh, we, we're having um, uh, Anthony Sabatini uh, as a guest speaker yeah. Monday evening, 6.30, we start at the VFW. Uh, and Anthony, for those that don't know, although he, he is a rep for the state, he is not a rep from this district, but he's been a fierce uh, conservative uh, and a fierce supporter of Trump, both in the state house and outside. Now he's running for Congress, and I don't want to say the congressional district because they're still <laughs> still thriving, you know, still fighting over what the district lines will be. But he's running in what was. Uh, the district that the Democrat withdrew from, yep. and, and and so uh, it's an opportunity, perhaps, to take that district back. Uh, and and folks, you can sign his petitions even if you don't live in that district. So come out to the Trump Club and uh, and help this guy get on the ballot. Yeah, if you're running for Congress, your requirement is residency in the state of Florida, not necessarily in the district. Yeah. So. Uh, also, as you mentioned, uh, we were chatting before, uh, there have been some new indictments come down from the special uh, prosecutor, Durham, Durham yeah. uh, and that, that's 
perhaps not moving fast enough for some people, but it's moving along and probably will have some significant consequences. It may have an effect on 2024. Well, it may. It may. And so we will have to wait and see. I noticed that paper is a little heavier this week. Yeah, well, and, and I think that rolls in. You want to introduce I'll our I'll introduce guest? our guest. This is the publisher and the owner of The Observer, John Walsh. John, welcome. Thank you, Ed. Happy um, to be here. Mike, thank you. So tell us why this paper is a little thicker. What's going on there? So just last Thursday, we get a call from our printer. And first, let me give them a plug. Um, we outsourced the printing job to the Village's media company. And um, they just spent $52 million dollars in a new uh, press facility. And as a matter of fact, uh, that took place in the last two years. Uh, it's the first investment in a newspaper printing press in North America in over 30 years. Wow. Yeah, so um, with it came a lot of technology and state of the art. And um, it also expanded the size of the paper roll that they can um, now utilize. So we get a call last Thursday of saying, um, we are now a victim of the supply chain like most industries. Um, apparently, the story goes so deep that there's a train somewhere that's loaded with um, a newspaper print that nobody knows where it's at. Um, crazy. I don't know the details. but um, So anyway, we get the call from uh, the printer and uh, put us on notice that uh, we need to take a look at um, reducing the total number of pages that we print. Uh, we print two papers. We print the Palm Coast Observer and the Orem Beach Observer. And when we added up all of those papers and looked at the or pages, excuse me, and added up the number of pages that are printed in both papers, uh, it was pretty significant. Um, we're blessed with uh, great advertising support. Um, there's a guy that uh, runs uh, four full page ads for hearing aids. I said hearing aids. And then, uh, <laughs> um, and not going there. Did you say? Hey, right there with you. Um, and then uh, things like our classified pages. Um, we also a new um, uh, stream of revenue this year is uh, legal notices, um, and we were duplicating printing all of those pages in uh, both papers. Uh, so we had to step back and take a look at our process and uh, eliminate some of the pages that uh, were duplicate. And so um, what we identified was a single print run with interruptions for unique content conserves the number of pages that we're printing. So we're printing one paper that's serving both markets and uh, so we're still dedicated to extraordinary local content. Uh, we have unique pages. The front page of Ormond Beach does not look like that. Uh, there are other subsequent pages throughout the paper that are unique to that market as well. Uh, but we were forced to respond. You know, we do this, it's like Groundhog Day, every week, every week. Mm -hmm. Well, Thursday really upset our apple cart. We had to uh, really change the way we do business. And the result is, we think, a better experience for the readers uh, because there is more news. And it also made us take a look at that content as to what does affect both markets. What are those stories that are, are common? And I think an example is uh, on page three uh, when we talk about growth uh, here in this, not only Palm Coast, but throughout our region, throughout our area, throughout the state. You know, uh, It's crazy. Um, so we're excited about going forward. Uh, we think 36 pages uh, is a, a pretty robust paper. Another little aspect we could, um, when we were tabloid, we could only adjust the number of pages by an increment of four. That was a printed frame, two on this side, two on that side. So, right, that's one mm -hmm. paper page. When we went to the broadsheet, it went down to two page increment, which was great flexibility for us. 
This now makes it 12 page increment. So for us, if we sell out, there's a, po there's a um, potential that we will sell out. We will be sold out and can't produce all the ads that we sell. Unless we go to the 48 page number and then we're playing catch up on editorial. There's a lot to juggle here. Oh my gosh, it's, it's not just me. It's not just the news side and getting the stories right and the facts right. It's also the physical sort of putting this paper together. Um, it's and then you you then are also getting more and more active in the digital world, which is growing, and so you're trying to balance the two out. It has, it, um, you know, shame on me for. Uh, discounting the value of the digital audience. Well, when I came to the publishing industry in 2010, mm -hmm. I sold Chevys for a living. Mm -hmm. This this is new, right? Um, now, 12 years later, it's it's not much new anymore. Um, but um, the 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 building of the paper um, is just um, it's thrilling, it's exciting, you know. Um, we always looked at the page count to drive our editorial content. We can't do that anymore. We have to look at news as it comes to us and be able to share it with our audience. When I looked at um, before COVID and after COVID is sort of the, the reset button mm -hmm. for a lot of us. Um, when we looked at the print versus digital revenue opportunities, the guys in the print business that were killing it on the digital side of the equation represented about 10% of their overall revenue. I think you've heard me say in maybe private conversations that I have an opinion of social media. I think it's evil. I think it's bad. I think it should be regulated or, or go away. But all of a sudden, because of your point of the migration to digital, the Observer has 50,000 social media followers. That's an audience. That's the big audience. That's huge. We have 45,000 that consume us in print. We have 50,000 that consume us through our social media platforms. And we have 200,000 unique visitors to our website each and every month. So shame on me for ignoring the digital migration. We're set. We're ready to go. Um, in income uh, diversity is uh, incredible. Digital has a big impact on that. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, we've just invested in more staff, um, qualified, experienced, uh, professional um, uh, salespeople that have extensive media, digital media background. Mm -hmm. And that's a new skill set for me. So, dead on. No, I get it. And, we we got to go that way. It's impressive that you're still able to put out paper because so many operations are now just exclusively digital. Not just little ones, but even big ones like, you know, uh, the New York Daily News. When I was a kid, that was a newspaper, you know, and yeah. now it's just an online thing. And I, I think the biggest influence in the industry was that Wall Street started buying newspaper chains, systems, Gannett, mm -hmm. new media. And I really believe that it's not published or written anywhere, but I don't think they want to print newspapers anymore. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a break and uh, go to our sponsors and we'll be back in a moment. Are you twisted enough for Twisted Minds Escape Rooms? Then check us out at TwistedMinds.com and book an adventure today. You can choose between Camp Calico or the mysteries of Vanished. How about travel back in time to 1840s California and visit Digger's General Store? 
Get ready. Coming late spring, early summer 2021. A little bit of mayhem at Twisted Minds Escape Rooms in Palm Coast. Check us out at twistedminds.com or give us a call at 888-92-TWIST. We'll be waiting. Tired of sitting at home restless? Need to exercise? Playing golf is one of the best ways to stay fit, and golf courses are one of the safest places to be. The gorgeous 18-hole Gary Player-designed Cypress Snow Golf Course is open to the public. Enjoy your game in the heart of Palm Coast, surrounded by nine glimmering lakes and plenty of wildlife. Your safe and healthy choice is Cypress Snow Golf, voted the most beautiful course in Flagler County. Call to book your tee time, 437-5807. That's 437-5807. Okay, we're back um, with the publisher and owner of The Observer, uh, John Walsh. Mike, you had a question for John. Well, yeah, John John mentioned in his paper is covered. Uh, first of all, let me just observe on The Observer that you get a lot of local news uh, that you won't get, as John mentioned. M- many of the newspapers you read uh, are, are chains. They're, they're acquired and they try to balance uh, their coverage of local events over a much wider area. They're more concerned about where the most uh, heads are and where the most mm-hmm. subscriptions are in terms of that coverage. So they, they could write one story and publish it in 450 papers. That's pretty efficient. <laughs> I, I don't have that luxury. So, <laughs> so, but this keeps you informed. So, for instance, Flagler County, a number you mentioned, grew 298%, which is staggeringly higher than even Volusia, which a lot of the article talks about, and uh, certainly higher than even St. John's and some of the other surrounding counties. And of course, growth brings controversy as well. So what are your thoughts on that growth? Um, wow. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a tough one. Um, and let me qualify it by saying uh, Nancy and I brought our three children to Palm Coast in 1990. Um, I have this theory of the, the Palm Coast 1.0s or the retirees that moved here when ITT invited them. Uh, their kids and families were transpl- or already planted somewhere else. Um, so the Palm Coast 2.0s were the guys like me that came here to serve them. I sold Chevys. Uh, my friends stocked the shelves at Publix, electricians, whatever. Um, I refer to the Palm Coast 3.0s are the children that we brought here. Now, Flyover County's always had kids being raised here. But we know Palm Coast was the afterthought and, and uh, most of the, the population, of course. And uh, so the 4.0s, I think, is really the most exciting. And that's for the first time that we're seeing the second generation of Palm Coast residents, right? Um, babies um, being born to families here in Flagler County. So growth. Um, State Chamber says that uh, we could expect 30,000, excuse me, um, yeah, 30,000 more people in Flagler County between now and 2030, just in eight years. Um, that's pretty significant. Think about that. 30,000 is more than lives in the rest of the municipalities outside of Palm yep. Coast of Flagler County, mm-hmm. another city that we're not expecting if they all were to land one spot. So I think the challenge is um, how do we preserve, protect, and sustain our quality of life knowing without influence provocation or invitation they're coming here right that's why you're elected and not me (laughs) good good luck Um, but i always ask the question is our commitment to quality of life killing our quality of life i can take a couple of examples of that Um, when uh, new development is announced 
the natural response is not here, not here, we don't want it, not in my backyard. You're going to increase our traffic, you're going to overcrowd our schools, you're going to increase our crime rate, you're going to raise our taxes and so forth. Uh, crime rate, nope, uh, doesn't go up. Crime rate is um, actually, if you look at um, recent communities such as Grand Haven, there are layers of additional security that prevent crime. They've got gates, right? They, they have you, security. They've got security, right. Um, so we can statistically prove that crime is not a result of population growth here. Um, school crowding. And this was a controversy in our community over the last several months um, as far as student population. Um, we know that anytime there's a development and somebody comes to town, they pay impact fees, and those impact fees are for new stations in the schools and, and uh, so forth. Well, our student population has remained flat uh, over the last 10 years, so we're not sure um, where the overcrowding of schools uh, come through. Uh, infrastructures. Listen, I know that more people require more traffic, more traffic requires more infrastructure. Were either of you, uh, did either of you ever drive down Highway 100 when it was two lane from Interstate 95 to Benel? I, mm. uh, I did. I haven't, uh, no. <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, and, and so, yes, growth comes and you have to uh, be you ready to, to manage accept it, it and, and manage yes, it. Yes, absolutely. But my question then goes to, uh, for example, density. Is Silicon Valley the poster child of what we all want to be? urban sprawl or can we afford to go a little bit more dense on those acres is that a better footprint do people have to drive less and emit fewer in, you know gas what you know whatever right yeah yeah, yeah. so um, my point uh, on overall growth is um, driven by a fundamental formula that um, I haven't seen move in um, a long time tax diversity so on tax diversity Residents consume $1.25 of taxable services. Non-residents or commercial businesses consume 80 cents of taxable services. They don't send kids to school. We don't send people to the hospital. Technically, right. right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our tax diversity, go on. No, no. 92.8. No, 92.8. 92% of is, our Which is unsustainable. Unsustainable which is why we need some of this growth. We need to attract businesses. And people need a place to live when we bring these businesses here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. That, and it, that, is, that is the bottom line. And, and I wish we could all live in Brigadoon and wake up once every 100 years and everything would remain the same. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So there was another headline a couple of weeks ago about our quality of life and, and uh, the preservation of the A1A uh, scenic corridor. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. It, it's on the national uh, registration now, right? That's a big deal. That is a preservation of quality of life. A bigger impact on quality of life is converting the septic system on the barrier island to our sewers, to mm -hmm. our sewer system. Mm -hmm. That is better for the uh, ecology, for environment, for all of those things. So do we think that small population over in the hammock should have been burdened to make that conversion on their own? They are benefiting from growth. Mm -hmm. Those new developments are bringing investment dollars up front to bring that sewer system to clean up the environment. So is it bad that we develop the hammock? 
No, it's it, it, what, but, what else are we gonna do? Uh, I, I know it, it's frustrating. I get it. Uh, on another topic, uh, we have elections coming up. Yes, sir. We have a primary in August, a general in November. Uh, we've we've had a few candidates emerge. I know on city council, um, we have two open seats, and it appears to be maybe there are three candidates for those two seats. A total of three, or three in each seat? No, total of three. <laughs> One candidate for District Four so okay. far, and two is that four. Is seat now? That's yes, Queen yes. House? and two four e District Two, which is where you live, and the C section Sims and, and Allen. Uh -huh. um, there was a fourth candidate, uh, a guy named Stephen Swarmer, who I, I understand is dropping out. I don't think he has officially done it, but I know he has returned checks that were never cashed wow. to people to make donations. A friend of mine got her check back from him, and he said, I'm dropping out. There was another woman that filed, but has since has withdrawn. Since withdrawn. But yeah. we basically have three on the city side so far. So and far. And then school board, what do we have? Um, we have three seats open. Three seats, and... And I know them by name, not districts, I'm sorry. Janet McDonald's seat. Right, who's not running. Jill Woolbright's seat. Who is, is running. Re-election. And, and Trevor. Trevor. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's a couple of candidates who have entered that race. Um, Joe Mullins has um, a candidate against him, a newbie. Is it two? Oh, two. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So and two. And PA is in that race. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then um, Greg Hansen, and I guess he's received one challenger who's just emerged. Oh. Who is uh, Denise? Um, oh, Calderwood. Yes. Sure. Yeah, who has run before? Yes. Many times. Yes. So where are you? I know you'll be endorsing candidates down the road. I, I don't know if you're ready to endorse anyone yet or not. But. So the, the endorsement process um, keeps evolving. Um, we keep changing it up. Um, you know, can only get beat up so often and, and uh, try to mm -hmm. uh, change. So um, let me talk about this year and uh, our goals. Um, first off, um, we've partnered with uh, Flavor Broadcasting and uh, went out to several of the organizations and groups throughout the community. Uh, of course, the, the chamber, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I can't recall some of the others. Oh, Tiger Bay um, and a few others. And so what um, Brian led this conversation that what we hope to do is um, provide as much information and exposure of the candidates to the voting population. So we have planned three debate forum nights, July 14th, 21st, and 28th. And we'll do each of the races that you mentioned, city race, school board race, and county commission race. And David Ayers and Brian McMillan, uh, every Friday do their Free For All Friday show. They will be the moderators of these three um, debate forums. Uh, but the questions uh, will come from those organizations, and we're going to launch a campaign to solicit questions from the community. Um, so the endorsement process as a result of that um, will be um, um, non-staff uh, community uh, people, um, and we're going to put the candidate, uh, in, and you'll recall what Brian does, he does this like recap of the questions and mm -hmm. what they answered. Mm -hmm. And so the endorsement process will be beyond just me saying, this is who I think you should vote for. Um, we're gonna bring other guys into the fight. 
Well, <laughs> great. Now, just between us, sure. No one else, sure. Who are you? Who are you endorsing? Um, I don't have anybody <laughs> that I'm going to endorse at this point. All right. I get. I guess I can't get him to answer I'm that. Sure. Question. The Trump it's, club would um, love to slip a question in there. No, it's. Um, it's difficult, you know. Um, I'll leave it at that. You leave yeah, it at that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, one other thing. Uh, I invited your news organization to come take a tour with me of Beltaire. The Swim and Racket Yes, Club? yes. I, I suggested the last council meeting that it was time for a field trip. Okay. Because they want to tear down some buildings and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I've never really uh, gone through there to look at, you know. You, you back up a second. I'm going to Zamba, probably. No? Oh, no, which? No, no, Beltaire. Well, that is school board property. Not the, not the school board. The other... Um, or is it Frida Zamba? What's it called? Talking, What's I mean, you're gonna make Frida Zamba would be the city of Guadalajara. Right, all right, yeah. Okay, yes. Frida Zamba. Yeah, yeah. So I've invited uh, the last council meeting for, for you to send someone with me. Okay. Because I said rather than just me seeing it, because each council person will go separately, um, we need to have the public see it. So I, when I'm ready to do uh, my tour, I will let you know. Oh, please. Because I would love to have you guys come out before we start tearing down buildings and let's see what we're dealing with because it's new to me. Um, so I'm hoping you guys join us. Yeah. I was going to invite Flagler live, but I actually needed some honest, real journalists, if you don't mind. So I thought you guys would be a much better choice. There's another one I'm not diving <laughs> in, Ed. You sure? <laughs> we well, try. Appreciate we try. the opportunity. Well, anyway, sorry, John. No problem. Uh, it's all um, anyway, we're just about out of time. I want to thank everybody for um, joining us. Remember, go to our website, Flagler for trump.com that's flagler number four trump.com our meetings are every third monday of the month at the vfw in palm coast we start promptly at 6 30 p.m so get there a few minutes early to find yourself a seat and we will see you next time you'll love to hear anthony sabatini so please come out monday night the future of flagler is sponsored by the flagler trump club our meetings are every third monday starting at 6 30 p.m at the palm coast vfw Visit our website, flaglerfortrump.com. That's flagler, the number four, trump.com to learn more. Let's make America great again.